Hello and welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. My name's Amy. And I'm Jenny. And today we're going to talk about the different roles that you find in breastfeeding, which yes. I thought would be really helpful after yeah. your homework. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I actually um, did a presentation for um, all of my, my health visiting um, colleagues, colleagues. Uh, yeah, in my borough um, a few weeks back. Um, about the different sort of roles you meet, so what the differences are between our level of training versus peer supporters, versus breastfeeding counsellors, versus international board certified lactation consultants. And I think it's something which has been uh, getting a bit more. I think generally breastfeeding support's got a bit more publicity in the last mm-hmm. few weeks after the dispatches program. Yeah, um, I love that program. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, anyone who's not watched it, if you can still get access to it, I don't know if it's on YouTube or it, it is still on the oh. Channel Four website, but I don't know how much longer for. Yeah, I mean we're recording this in mid-August, and I think it might be coming off at the end of. August. I think so, yeah. Which so. is a shame. They have every episode of like the Paul Merton TV series I love. <laughs> um, but it would be really handy if they could just find room to squeeze this in on all four yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, but no, and I think you found really interesting. I think Emma Pickett. Yeah, I really I've, liked her interview. Yeah. I, I, what I particularly liked about it was because she was really focusing on um, how this is a national issue and it's not about blaming individual mums, it's about yeah. actually making sure we've got adequate support in place. Yeah. And something that she said that I thought was really um, important really was she said that it's it's almost cruel to spend all this time telling women how important it is to breastfeed and how it's going to prevent all these illnesses and it's really good for your baby and it's the best thing and all of which is obviously true yeah but if you do all of that without providing them the support to be able to breastfeed that's quite cruel yeah to say this is the right thing to do but then not help them to do it yeah it is completely nonsensical what's happened with um, anti-smoking campaigns and smoking has, you know, rates in smoking have reduced, and a lot of that I would say is due to the funding that's been available yeah, for specialist that support, services. That specialist support. Yeah. It also, I think, probably helps that there's big profits to be made in nicotine gum and nicotine <laughs> spray and e-cigarettes and things, which is frustrating because it does feel a bit like public health messages are secondary only to what on earth can be made profit-wise <laughs> out of them. Um, but I'll put that to one side again. But, yeah, I think I've it's my piece. <laughs> um, But yeah, Emma Pickett is amazing. She has got a fantastic um, book available on Amazon um, called You've Got It In You, um, A Positive Guide to Breastfeeding. Yeah. And she does do a brilliant blog. Um, her blog about oversupply is one that I have shared with many parents. And I had Emma, I managed to actually tell Emma myself when I met her um, back in April a week beforehand I'd had a mum who had like oversupply issues and been discussing it and I looked up her vlog and oh, on my phone and nice. showed it to the mum and the mum literally burst into tears after the oh. second paragraph because she was like yes this is exactly what I've been feeling and she oh. just couldn't believe that you know her, how relieved she was that actually oh. yes this was a thing and this was something that you know there was advice and support on oh. Um, so it just really, really underlines the importance of having the right advice out Definitely. there and the right support, which is what this episode's all about, really. Yeah, she also um, has a, a blog where she aligns um, positioning and attachment to a good golf grip. <laughs> um, which I'll just leave it there because you know, now we'll look at That's up enough and of see. a look. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I very, yeah, a lot of time for 
Emma would quite happily uh, listen to her on a number of subjects. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and actually at the, well, I attended the IHV and RSPH. Um, oh, right. Yeah, no. I always lose track of all these acronyms. I know, I was going to say, and I'm going to have to remind myself now of what that stands for because it's going to drive me bonkers otherwise. Um, it's the Royal College of um, Royal Society for Public Health. Oh, okay. Did so I was join... getting them confused yeah. with the uh, paediatrics yes. and Yeah. I know. In fact, I, I confuse them yeah. fun a bit at times. <laughs> Great. Um, but no, they, um, they had a one-day conference back in April about breastfeeding, which I um, attended. Um, and it was just really interesting to kind of really good to be in a room with people where actually we're all in a fairly similar situation. Mm. I mean, it's like there's been so much um, positive stuff about Blackpool with their mm. big increase in health visitor contacts and mm. things, but that has been at the cost of any uh, of all the financial support their breastfeeding peer oh, support really? had. So that's a shame. And it's like yeah, so now very experienced breastfeeding peer supporters have no no funding. Yeah, which um, is a shame. Which is really annoying because they were probably better, more knowledgeable and experienced in breastfeeding than a lot of the health visitors who are now mm. getting to see these families, um, which is really frustrating. And um, World Breastfeeding Trends International, um, no, initiative, sorry, World Breastfeeding Trends Initiative um, have put together a chart in their report. Um, but they put together how well um, pre-registration health professional training matches the, the WHO education checklist for lactation. So for this, they were using the um, information from the GMC, from the NMC. Mm. Um, like the standards the that are standards expected for pre-registration training. Yeah, yeah. And um, it makes quite interesting viewing. So if you were to look in the document, it is on... Um, it is in that, that document about halfway we'll, through the document we'll, we can we'll put the link, link yeah, to we'll put it. The link. Um, but it shows so it goes through um, various things so the first half of the WHO education checklist are sorts of things that you'd expect that are covered on BFI, BFI accreditation so factors influencing infant feeding antenatal care, perinatal care um, the process of milk production and removal um, the benefits of optimal infant feeding, guidance for successful breastfeeding, and management of common breastfeeding problems, uh-huh. and also considering babies with special needs, facilitating successful lactation with um, maternal medical conditions and treatments, prescribing recommend prescribe and recommend medications compatible with lactation, and how to sustain lactation when mother and baby are separated. Now I think we can agree all of those are things I think we're going to meet at one point or another yeah. over a typical kind of month even. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also then the international code and health worker responsibilities which is relating really to the WHO code yeah. and just being careful not to inadvertently be advertising formula milk or supporting formula milk companies. Yeah. Um, and then preventing or reducing mother-to-child HIV transmission and um, infant feeding in emergencies and what the plan would be around being able to do that. Um, so it's got 
them across the top, hasn't yeah. it? And then all the different professions down the side. Yeah. And then it's got like a visual map in colours of... Because I'd not seen this before, so I thought it was really useful to see. Yeah. Of how well each of those kind of... Those sets of training for that um, exactly. profession prepares you for each of those individual yeah. questions. The thing I find really concerning, because I don't know, I'm sure there are still plenty of universities who are doing um, skipping courses who aren't BFI accredited. Yeah. And they're I don't know, read yeah. across the board. They yeah. have a yeah, yeah, they're yellow for guidance on successful breastfeeding, but the NMC standards for health visitors do not specify okay. that we should be a BFI accredited in, yeah. in how to do breastfeeding when that's a big part of our job, a big part of the bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite amusing because it says that they are yellow on a non-BFI accredited course. They are yellow for guide in guidance for successful breastfeeding, and this is because it says in their um, in their guidelines that a, a health visitor, a student health visitor, might want to set up a, a breastfeeding support group. Okay. Yeah. Nothing about. What they the actual, but but the thing that it shows things. you with all the red is that they might want to set up a breastfeeding support group, but they unfortunately would be really unprepared to yeah. be able to run one because Definitely. they wouldn't have any of the knowledge. Definitely. So that's a BFI non a non BFI accredited course, isn't it? Yeah. So what about the skiffing for the BFI accreditation? How well does that fare? That fares a bit better. So we're looking at green across the first half. So all those things I mentioned about the antenatal, the postnatal care, the influencing factors, um, the benefits and the guidance on successful breastfeeding things, we're there on. Um, what we don't get, well, Amber for um, facilitating successful lactation, with maternal medical conditions, treatments. So that's if you've got a mum who's got like a particular medical condition that might influence her lactation. Yeah. Which, to be fair, as, as a... I'm I'm in that bracket, aren't I? Like a skipping yeah. with BFI accredited training, but no additional breastfeeding training other than just breastfeeding experience of training, yeah. like helping mums, but no significant additional training. And if I came across that, I had a mum who said, I think this condition has contributes to my prolactin levels. I've had that before, mm. and I referred on to a specialist because I felt very out of my depth there. Yeah. So I think that's fair to say that's And would that be something in your new area that you would easily be able to do as well? No. Which is the other thing, yeah. Which we come to, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also we're read on um, the being able to recommend medications compatible with lactation. Now we might not be, pres- I mean, it's a prescribe or recommend. Now obviously we are, even if we're in a prescribing role, we're only prescribing for the baby. We don't prescribe for the mother, so that's not something we would actually really directly do. But how many times do we get asked? Is this okay, is this okay to take while I'm breastfeeding? Yeah. Or my GP has said this isn't okay to take while I'm breastfeeding. Is, is that, that right? Definitely right. Yeah. And you that get that is, question a lot. Yeah. yeah, and so it's really important we should be trained up in, which we're not. Mm. It's um, I guess a hard thing to train to train in because if you're not like a pharmacist, like if you don't have the pharmacological background, yeah. it would be difficult to because there's so many medications. Yeah. That would be a difficult thing to train people in. But I always use the breastfeeding network resources or signpost yeah. to somewhere because it, I, I think what's important about this is knowing where your gaps are. And obviously, we can talk about that. Yes, yeah. But yeah, so not knowing the prescribing. Yeah. And what's the other things we're read on? And then we're also read about um, the 
um, emergencies and the reducing the mother-to-child HIV okay. transmission. So across the board, it's mostly green with reds in yeah. those few areas. Yeah. So it's not anywhere near as good as, say, an no. IBCLC training. I think, I think the... Um, and because I think we're kind of part of this might be going, oh, but emergencies, oh, why is that important? And I think it is important from the point of view of we need to ensure that our commissioners, our local authorities that we're working for, have adequate sort of plans in place for emergencies. And because if you think emergencies don't happen, then let's look back to the beginning of the year with the beast from the east, the flooding that we get every year mm. in parts. You know, these are times at which we need to have that plan together because that, you know, to how to support infant feeding and things at those times. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but we fare much better than GPs and doctors in yeah. particular. Um, Which is so sad. Like the GPs one, I was really surprised yeah, by. Yeah, so GPs are um, green for knowing the benefits of optimal infant feeding and green for re- knowing, um, preventing or reducing mother-to-child infant, um, HIV transmission but then predominantly red across the board. So it's like they've got yeah. all the kit but no or all all the gear but no idea. Yeah. You know, they know they know they should be encouraging feeding, but they've got no idea it's difficult how to. to. How to. Um, I, and I think that really is reflected in the, the GP infant feeding network. Yeah. Which is predominantly um, female GP led who have realised having become parents themselves or through experiences in their work how poorly trained and prepared they are and they are to support really, feeding. Yeah, mm. and they're a really dynamic force who are really working hard to improve training. Yeah, definitely. Um, for doctors, which is a really good. Um, but yeah, the only um, profession who were green across the board against the WHO education checklist were the International Board Certified Lactation Consultants. Yeah. Which is what you'd expect because obviously that's what they're and I think it's important to say that like all of the other industries like you know paediatricians and obstetricians and skiffin even to a, to an extent they're covering such a broad range of topics whereas IBCLC is literally focusing yeah. on the breastfeeding yeah. so you would expect them to be yeah. green across. And but, actually what you think mm. of is that thing of thinking well how come we we don't see more within our teams yeah, how come we don't have ready access to More IBCLCs, IBCLCs yeah. within our areas and what I thought was really sad actually for um, particularly the GPs I really felt when I read that I really felt for them because actually we're sending our GPs into practice aren't we and we know as health visitors that actually the first line often for a mum who's got a breastfeeding question may well be their GP. Yeah. You know, it may well be us, or it may be the midwife, but if we're not seeing them, if it's in the time when we're not seeing them frequently, or, you know, maybe they, they're seeing their GP about something else and they've got a question about their breastfeeding while they're there, the GP is definitely at the front line of a lot of those questions. So it seems really unfair yeah. to be sending out people to knowing that they're going yeah. they're gonna to face those questions when actually... It's not been covered in the training. Yeah. To to do a BFI accreditation in the training would only take a couple of days, and I think would be really beneficial. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be something that's like the Skiffin BFI training is a is a two day or three day. Yeah. Unisex course. Well, the, the BFI it? training is the same no matter what profession. Exactly. You are. It's going to cover. You yeah. need to cover those same elements, and actually the interesting thing is that, and I know, um, 
I can't remember the name of the chair, I want to say it's Sue something, isn't it? Who's chair of the BFI. Mm. She spoke on the dispatches programme as well. Yeah, she did. And yeah. Um, But she was also at the conference and she was saying how there is going to be an individual BFI accreditation coming out. Because at the moment, we all work hard, we all do this BFI training and we have the follow-up where we have to show um, practical teaching of the techniques we've mm-hmm. learned. But um, we, it, it goes towards our trust. We, if we then change jobs for whatever reason, we're not, it again. we've not got anything to prove. Whereas they're talking about bringing in an individual, you, know, you could become a BFI accredited health visitor. That yeah. You can then take that. That certification with you wherever you go and things. And I suppose that would then be open to GPs and and other professions Mm. as well. And what I think is maybe something that is is good as well about this is what it doesn't show you is those health visitors who have done more training because they're passionate about it or those GPs that have gone away, like you said, the ones in the infant feeding network yeah. and, and other GPs that maybe not part of that network but have gone away and actually sought out extra training and extra information on this area because yeah. we do that with a lot of things, no. don't we? So this is only what our pre-registration training prepares us for. Yeah. But I think if you're thinking from a public health standpoint and you're talking about national standards, it's important to have those national standards yeah. you, like to have consistency across all the different um, think, professions. Yeah. And I think the important thing is, I mean, the BFI training is fantastic. You know, it really is useful. And as we can see from the, the WBTI chart, really makes an impact on knowledge of breastfeeding. Yeah. But it's not the be-all and end-all. It There's is more the to starting it as well. point for yeah. knowledge. And I think I hear so often, or I hear, I see a lot on... Um, health visitor Facebook groups and things about mm. how feathers are ruffled about well I've got my BFI training and okay that's great but there is still a lot to know you know you, yeah, you, know, you know one page of A4 of a very thick book mm. you know and recognising that actually it's not the as much you know not still not <laughs> what I always course. see it as is it's, it's a specialist role yeah so it's the same as I know a little bit about childhood diabetes, but I wouldn't claim to be a childhood diabetes specialist. No. So if I had a child on my caseload with diabetes, I would work alongside the specialist team to support yeah. that family. I yeah. wouldn't attempt to do all of the support on my own. Yeah. So if you have, so it might be that you're able to meet the needs at some level, but as that need gets higher and higher, then that's when you need to call yeah. on extra support. And I think it's useful to understand what levels of training different specialists you might yeah. meet and through the groups and things have had, because yeah, we do work with third party, we do work with the Le- Lesh League, NCT, um, providing peer support, um, breastfeeding network yeah. as well and things. Yeah. And I think it's that thing where it's, it, yeah, it's kind of important for us to kind of always like know where we are in that stack. Mm. So if we look at the breastfeeding or breast baby friendly initiative, um, it's eighteen hours of clinical education or eighteen hours of education. Um, which so it's just for say over two days. Water. No, this is for us for the oh, BFI accreditation. Yeah. So you know, we, healthcare professionals, allied health workers, children's centres workers complete it. There's no prerequisites. You don't have to have had um, any particular number of clinical hours to do it. As I said, it's 18 hours, and the scope is that you use it within your existing work. You don't take, it's not enough for you to take on extra responsibilities following this. Um, For a peer supporter, it's usually women who have breastfed. Um, 
yeah, the idea of peer support is that you're bringing yeah, your own experience you appear and things alongside them. Yeah, um, and you have to be motivated and able to undertake a voluntary role. So that's your prerequisite. There, yeah, there mm-hmm. are areas where there are paid peer support roles, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of talk at the conference about how important that is because you end up with um, if you're expecting them to be voluntary. You end up with people who are only in position to be able to pay you to you do the voluntary role, mm, who can mm. take that hit financially, mm. um, which ends up you might not have peer supporters who are actually um, representative. representative of your community. Yeah, um, they have to undertake sixteen to thirty six hours of education. Yeah, so minimum at a minimum so level, minimum it's similar to the BFR. Hours, yeah, yeah, but and then can be much it, more. Yeah. And their scope is then to encourage and support basic breastfeeding issues under supervision and to refer complex needs onto a specialist. Okay. But they are working under supervision. You know, you, it's rare to find peer supporters only. Operating autonomously. There's normally no. someone. And it, it could even be, um, so like I know for the, the, the breastfeeding network training, they actually have to commit to being going to a group week or attending a group to be a peer supporter weekly but also attending I think it's once monthly they have supervision mm. and so needing to attend that to discuss what they've seen mm. any problems they're encountering so then we're up to breastfeeding counsellor okay and um, these are guys who so the breastfeeding counsellor um, title varies so they can be breastfeeding counsellors but in the Lesh League, they're um, the Lesh League um, leaders. Okay. So it's the same, the title varies. What about if you've got somebody called like an infant feeding support worker or infant feeding worker or something? Does that not, there's no like, you don't know what that necessarily yeah, means? It'd be different no. for different people. And okay. also, interestingly, lactation consultant. Not a protective no term, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you could have people, you can Google and find people who are calling themselves lactation consultants, offering themselves for private work. Without having the IBCLC. Without any qualification. Okay, yeah. Okay. cool. So we've got breastfeeding, so, so breastfeeding, breastfeeding counsellor. Okay. So these are experienced breastfeeding mothers. They have to have breastfed their own baby for 6 to 12 months. Okay. And they undertake two years part-time education. Okay, so two years. So I mean, that's that's yeah, hefty. Very hefty. Two years part-time is what I did my skipping in. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's quite a kind of big commitment. Specialist education, yeah. And they have um, their scope is that they can do voluntary or paid roles. So they support common breastfeeding problems, refer on as needed. They have supervision within their accredited body. Um, and they're also um, able to do um, telephone help. So uh-huh. the National Breastfeeding Helpline yeah. is um, run, yeah, run on the, these breastfeeding, people, breastfeeding counsellors. Okay. And often with training, yeah, you can offset the cost of the training alongside a commitment to volunteer yeah. on the, the advice line and things. That's interesting. Yeah. That's great. But it does mean then you have to be, yeah, you have to have quite a good level of knowledge I mean we all know we've all been on sort of duty lines and things where we've had people phone up for help with breastfeeding and trying to work out how what's going on over the phone yeah and how to support someone how to give them something to visualize that they can actually really understand and things properly okay cool so that's so where are we now yeah so no so finally we're on to the international board certified lactation consultant okay and these are um, either healthcare professionals 
or accredited breastfeeding counsellors. The, the, actually, it's narrowing down, it's probably going to be a lot more healthcare professionals in coming years because you have to, to have undertaken the course. One of the prerequisites is that you have advanced sort of lactation education and clinical experience. Okay. So um, you have to, educationally, you have to have completed um, sort of at least kind of A-level level study in yeah, okay. um, physiology and anatomy okay. and um, sort of the, the psychological kind of aspects and sociological aspects and things. Okay. So if you're a nurse already, you've fulfilled you've that. You're a nurse and you've that box already. Yeah. Um, in America, they do do, you can pay for kind of study programs to get you up to speed with that. Okay. But it's still a greater yeah, financial commitment, time commitment yeah, to actually get commitment. that done. Yeah. Um, you have to undertake a minimum of 90 hours taught breastfeeding education. Goodness. And 1,000 hours supporting breastfeeding. So that's hands-on experience yeah, with mums. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that could be, if you're, if you're a breastfeeding peer supporter, you need to get 500 hours a year. That counts okay. towards that because of the level of, of um, support you're giving and the support you're getting yourself and things. Um, but for health visitors and things, you have to... I know you're looking funny there. But it's, no, I'm just like, So does that mean... So if you were breastfeeding supporter, say, and you're doing a weekly group, so they would count those hours you from peer, your weekly group? Well, no, if you're a peer supporter, the the board who do the certification, yeah. if you are a breastfeeding peer supporter, you've done training with Breastfeed Network, well, Ashley, NCT, yeah. And are, are working in drop-ins yeah. regularly. You meet they they, they say right that hours. that counts as five hundred hours a year. Okay, okay. Um, so if you're a nurse or something and you're interested in breastfeeding, you can get the peer support role. Yeah, and do two years of that, and then you've got your one thousand hours or a I year see. of that, and combination with your your own workhouse and things. Okay. If you're a health visitor and you've not been doing any other peer support like myself, then you have to try and work out right, okay, what ratio of my hours per year do I spend do I spend giving breastfeeding advice okay. and support? Yeah, I get it. Um and that is and it's interesting because that is then the minimum to then be able to sit the four hour five hundred pound exam <laughs> to become an international board certified lactation consultant. Okay. So some areas might fund you to pay for that exam and things. Yeah. Others may not. You know? Yeah. But yeah. you still, yeah, you have to pass that exam to then actually be accredited. And then after five years, you have to almost like revalidation. Okay. Um, submit. And then after 10 years, you have to resit the exam again. Oh, wow. And the exam is different every year. They rewrite the questions. Okay. They so like might change the balances and things. So mm. you have to have a commitment to ongoing education for yourself as well and things and so their scope is that they can have um they can have ifl roles or specialist roles in hospital community and this can include also um strategic roles you know, not just working practically but actually working with commissioners to yeah. develop um, strategies on infant feeding yeah um they are able to manage any breastfeeding issue including complex or high risk and undertake sort of oral assessments yeah. really for through tongue tie and things. Yeah. And so they're you know, very complex sort of roles and things. And I think this kind of does show and I mean at the conference as well, Lindsay Hookway Hookway spoke 
Hookway, Hookway. Lindsay <laughs> Hookway spoke. Um, and she's a health visitor who is also an IBCLC. Okay. And um, she gave this example about a um, mother and baby who baby was born prem and they had huge problems latching on. They were born in a BFI accredited hospital. Mm. So they had you know, support from people who were educated in breastfeeding yeah. and were sort of supporting, trying to continue to get the baby to breastfeed, mm-hmm. but just wouldn't latch on. And so she was having to express and do other things. And mm. she saw a breastfeeding specialist midwives and then discharged home and she was seeing health visitor regularly. She had um, some peer support locally as well. Yeah. And yeah, but, but 10 weeks, baby still hadn't latched on. Oh. And Lindsay um, sort of saw them in her IBCLC role and within half an hour had managed to get the baby latched on. Okay. And the key thing is, and I can always half hear listeners going, yeah. (laughs) But the key thing Lindsay said, she said, didn't this mum have fantastic support? Yeah. Wasn't this mum so lucky to have this level of support? But it wasn't. It was the specialist support she needed. Specialist support she needed. And the really key thing was that it's not how much you see someone, Mm. it's how you're able to support them, how you're kind of, yeah, to to actually recognise your knowledge and experiences. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely something I'm finding. I remember two days into my my breastfeeding specialist training, but it is the little, the, the bits and bobs you're picking up, and also the confidence to bolster the things that you kind of half thought you know already and yeah. just really really bolstered yeah being yeah there is no one way no to support someone no it is going to be a combination of factors and that sometimes you know much as there are the the rules yeah. around you know what works what doesn't work just being confident I think sometimes there might be a situation where the rules don't apply a different way. and actually there and is a different works. way yeah. yeah I mean it's like you know um I was mentioning to you about with engorged breasts and things mm. And um, yeah, reverse pressure softening, which is something we don't think about. If we talk about engorged breasts, we often will say about oh, hand, hand express a bit off first to make it easy for the baby yeah. to latch. When yeah. actually, a far less invasive and quicker method could be to actually, with fingertips around the nipple, push it up against the chest wall for a minute or two. Jen's demonstrating this. And, <laughs> sorry, sorry for the image Amy has just given you. I promise. I'm Sorry, Jen. <laughs> you push with your fingertips around the yeah. nipple, push in for about a minute, two minutes, maybe even up to five minutes if it's really severe. Okay. And you find that leaves dimples. You know the whole thing of if you had someone with an edematous leg. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, but that softens, that moves that fluid away and hopefully softens and enables baby yeah. to latch on. Okay. Because often it's not that they're engorged with milk, yes. they're engorged with blood, with extra fluids, especially in those early weeks. Mm-hmm. Mother's circulation is still so much higher than it is normally. Yeah. That that ends up There's lots of extra things. fluid. Yeah. And it's just that little thing where you think, well, God, that's so simple. How come we didn't know that before? Yeah. But yeah. you just can't um, fit it all in on no, the BFI training. No. It's that extra training and hours of of education and experience that you get in the more specialist roles. Um, Well, I think it's that thing where we need to think about in terms of the Rumsfelds as well. Yeah, good old Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. And yeah, he said, I've got the actual quote here, because as we know, there are known knowns, there are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. 
but there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. And if one looks through the history of our country and other free countries, it is the latter that tend to be the difficult ones. Yeah. I think we can easily swap looking at the history of our country and other free countries as breastfeeding and yeah. breastfeeding in other countries or even other counties yeah. and things. It's the same. I mean, that's a kind of underriding principle that goes across healthcare, isn't it? And I remember um, a lecturer at King's really hammering this point home. He had a whole lecture on the importance and the value of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and that really stuck with me. And it was something that I think really rings true is about actually knowing where your limits are and how that is safe practice. Yeah. And it's actually safer to say, I don't know, than it is to try and pretend you know yeah. or to try and carry on regardless. Because if I was having a... He always used to give the example of if you're in hospital and you've got a choice between a student um, doctor or a student nurse looking after you um, who seems really uncertain and it's asking loads of questions all the time or... Um, a well-experienced professional but who seems really cavalier and isn't really kind of really focusing and and questioning themselves yeah he'd rather be looked after by the student nurse because that would be safer practice because they're going to be questioning that you can see them questioning themselves yeah and that is where you spot the things that you're missing yeah and And I think that's so important the important thing is that a lot of the limitations we have on ourselves are not our own personal limitations, there's limitations in not having anyone to refer them on to. And that's where it becomes really problematic. Yeah, and I think that's where we need to almost like call traction and really hold commissioners to account about well, what what is happening and things. Yeah. Because well, I think we have such a body of evidence about how much, and not even just with, you know, it, the thing is as well that IPCRCs can help with formula feeding issues as well and things yeah, yeah we're course. not it's just breastfeeding it's an infant feeding role yeah um and yeah, equally there can be things that can can happen around that and it's just such an important role and yeah anyone who and can, i think councils do try and you know look at their breastfeeding rates and if they're even anywhere near the national average think oh well, that's fine that's good enough mm. and actually in my area it's very likely that's bolstered up by a lot of people who are able to afford it seeking mm. private help mm. Mm. Um, and just sort of having that out there and just being able to say look actually you know what we should have parity have equity of support across for the, everyone yeah. even those who can't afford to look at going to go to an IPCLC yeah. privately it's I think um, it's that it's the thing again about it's not fair on the mothers and it's also not fair on the health professional because you're expecting the health professional to go out there with limited training and be able to meet the needs that actually they're not prepared to be able to meet and then you're expecting the mum to be faced with this onslaught of information about how important breastfeeding is without the adequate support to help them breastfeed Um, and and I think as well as a lot that we don't have time in the BFI training, which I think is there in every other form of training I mentioned, to actually consider your own breastfeeding experiences Mm. and your own journey. Mm. And I think there are a lot of us who had problems with breastfeeding for whatever reason and Mm. didn't get that specialist help. And that then becomes a barrier to supporting others. Our narrative then becomes, well, there was nothing more. No one could have done anything more. Mm. And it is really tough to actually have to consider, well, actually... Yeah, yeah. The, the, possibly with that right bit of help at the right time from the correct specialist. 
maybe maybe something would have been would different. Have happened. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a so difficult thing to emotionally process, definitely. isn't it? Um, but I mean, I think what's important is that health visitors out there feel confident to ask a lot of questions, do a lot of learning. Um, and if you are lucky to have um, people in your team who are breastfeeding specialists, like I know I was really lucky to work with a fantastic um, breastfeeding counsellor um, in my last role, and I learned literally so much from her. Literally every time I heard her on the phone, I learned a load. <laughs> um, and if you get a chance to go out with people and learn, you know, that's a great opportunity to take that, but also to feel confident to say, I'm out of my depth here, I'm going to refer this on. Yeah. And if you don't have anyone, so in my new role, we don't really have um, amazing breastfeeding support, and there isn't really anywhere for me to refer on. So ultimately, it's me that they sort of get access to and that is sort of the limit of what we've got on the NHS um which isn't good enough and you know if you're aware that that's the case in your area as well then take this opportunity to become a bit of a flag bearer for it and raise it with your service lead raise it with your commissioners raise and you can use this podcast if you want or you know use the um world best breastfeeding trends link that we'll send to you um that just shows you know where the gaps are and the fact that there's so much additional training that is required over and above what we do on our specialist nursing yeah. course on our specialist the special community nursing um that's we have yeah do, so we haven't do, even do, got a chance to even talk about properly Professor Amy Brown and all her work and how important her work in mm. um, looking at breastfeeding journeys and how mums, even 30, 40 years down the line, mm. still have regret about not being able to breastfeed, it's like so important breastfeeding, to and just that impact that it can have on yeah. mental health. And, and bonding and attachment yeah. yeah so it's so important um and yeah if this is something you're passionate about then go in get the training get a bit yeah. of extra education or lobby your area to try and get extra breastfeeding support for the mums in yeah. your area unless you're know, advocating yeah, ultimately aren't exactly you? and let us know if you're on twitter there is a very active um community of very passionate breastfeeding peeps so uh, we can always signpost you to them as well if you want us to get you linked up so that was really helpful thanks Jen because actually coming into this I didn't really know what the difference was so for example if you'd have asked me what's the difference between a peer supporter and a breastfeeding counsellor I wouldn't have necessarily been able to tell you and I think there's probably loads of health visitors that work with people with those role titles but don't actually know what that means I think there's always the thing of I I worked with a really good one but I don't know if they're all that good that's the thing yeah realizing there is this degree of consistency with those titles and just the take-home thing as well is you know if you're looking if you are looking for lactation consultants or families are please direct them to look for international board certified lactation consultants they have an online register and if they don't appear in that they're not international board certified yeah um and because otherwise the lactation consultant job title is not protected so it's like um, the same as a nutritionist and a dietitian isn't it the yeah. same like anyone can call themselves a nutritionist but a dietitian is like a protected term that's registered yes yeah although there are nutritionists there are protected term titles within nutritionists as well Oh, okay. So we've got some working with us at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you do get nutritionists working with registration. Okay. But yeah, they are registered nutritionists. 
as opposed to like holistic nutritionists and things like that. Oh, I right. Okay. It's different. Oh, maybe that's new. It gets yeah, very confusing. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah, <laughs> so thank you. We'll drop into a muddy path yeah. then. We'll come back. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thanks. And please do let us know um, if you're enjoying the podcast. If you're not enjoying the podcast, yeah, give um, us some feedback. And, yeah, give us some feedback and uh, let us know via Twitter at I am a HV, on Facebook, the I am a Health Vista Facebook page, or um, via email, I am a Health Vista at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye. Um, see you soon.